0: Let's put the rad in radical. If you're looking to expand your life, then you've come to the right place. We're Amanda, Ali, and Raina, and each week we're setting the scene to level up our everyday lives in all areas, mindset, lifestyle, community, and more. And we want you to come with. All right, hey, hey everybody. Welcome back to Let's Put the Rad in Radical. We are so excited. This, I mean, this episode is going to be one that i know goes down in the books as one of our favorites for doing and for sharing with all of you we have dr christy kadarian on our call today and what's amazing about this is we have been just eating up the way that dr christy has shared all about empowering yourself empowering your love life um there's a pretty impressive um roster of accolades that dr christy has Um, We're talking licensed marriage and family therapist, former eHarmony matchmaker, and a dating coach who, if you follow her on social, you'll see why we're so infatuated with her. There's a lot of great content, a lot of self-reflection, honestly, and I think the three of us have been in spaces where we've been single in our 30s, where we have wondered... What's the next phase or chapter for our love life? What does that look like? And how can we do it in an empowered way where we're making mindful decisions about who we're allowing into our space and, and why? And why is this person worthy of our time, our energy? Because as women, I think it's normal. We pour in a lot into our romantic lives and that's, there's, that's fine. And I think that this can be a really great refresher eye-opener or foundational starting piece if you are someone who's looking to let love back into your life or even just refine the way you do that. And so, uh, Christy, we're so grateful that you're hopping on with us. Um, The first question that I love asking before our listeners is that they can learn a little bit more about you. So tell us a bit about your story and and then we can chat all things professional, but what makes Dr. Christy tick and how did your whole journey get started?
1: Thanks so much for that warm welcome, Amanda. Yeah, I love what you guys are about. I'm so honored to be here. So a little bit about my story. Um, obviously, yeah, if you go to my website, you'll see all of those professional accolades. But the reason that I really do what I do is it's very personal to my own story and my journey. And that's why I feel so passionate about what I do. But basically, I'm an LA native. Um Culturally, my background's Armenian. Uh, my parents are um, immigrants. So I'm first generation here. And a really big component, of my cultural background is family, marriage, kind of think my big fat Greek wedding. It was like, okay, when are you getting married? When are you having babies? That sort of like cultural uh, narrative was kind of running throughout my life, I am like a lifelong learner. So I've always loved learning and I've been a nerd about love ever since I could remember. I love watching all the, you know, Disney movies early on and then later, you know, all rom coms were like my thing. And I've always been fascinated by it because you can never figure it out. There's not like a, an exact formula. So it keeps that mystery as well as in my research that I started in my undergrad, I research around um, dynamics in relationships and attachment. And then that really, struck my interest and got me into studying marriage and family therapy, um, worked as a therapist, um, and then I started working at eHarmony when I myself was single. So I was a single matchmaker. I downloaded a dating app for the first time the night before my interview because I was like, well, I should probably figure out (laughs) how to do this if I'm going to help people. And then that started my own personal journey of online dating, which went on for five years. So um, I basically tried every app out there. It was kind of a social experiment for me because I was working for my clients, um, going on quote unquote dates for them. And then in the evenings going on dates for myself and trying to figure out, okay, like what makes two people work and why? And um, so basically that kind of started my own quest of researching and figuring out, is there a way we could make some of these aspects predictable and more of like le- leaning into the science part? Because I really found that finding love is really an art and we focus and we see in pop culture the fact that it's an art um you know the chemistry the meet cute it just kind of happens but what we don't really look at that's also reality is the science part and that there is a science to compatibility and why people work and why people work for the long term so that's what really got me curious in studying and researching that part because i figured if we could figure out that part Then we could control what we can, and then the things we can't control can just happen. So that's really started, um, you know, my business and my program, Find the One, and really empowering women to take that approach that we have in many areas of our lives. Most of the women I work with, probably that listen here, are, you know, have great friendships, um, love their life in so many ways, love their career, or have some passions and pursuits, and they just can't figure out why it's not working in this area. So I really, and our team um, and my company is really empowering that part of it of like, we can apply these success strategies in some ways to get you more successful and invest that time and energy in people that could actually be your mate while in the same time kind of investing in yourself as well. So that's a little bit of my journey.
2: (laughs) Well, I definitely think that there's two things to this that I know that all of our listeners are going to resonate with. Number one is, are you single? (laughs) let's, Let's dig into that. And then for me personally, Christy, are you married or you got a long-term partner and uh, help us out there? Yeah, so I feel like that there's two camps that we need to kind of nitpick on. And oh, wow. I really, I want to start with those single ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, where does one start? Because I feel that what you were talking about is that it starts at a self level, Mm -hmm. or that it has to start internally before we can look externally. And I don't know if that's where you want to start, but how do we unpack that single lady's journey nowadays? Because it is a whole other beast.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So often when I start working with women, what the first thing that I hear is, you know, I've been trying dating apps forever and it's just not working. Um, So what I call that is like tool blaming. So the dating app is a tool and what's happening is it's not, that's kind of a common way nowadays that people meet. Um, But if it doesn't work, we kind of tend to blame the tool (laughs) rather than ask the question, okay, maybe it's the way that we're using it. An analogy that I use pretty frequently is like, okay, let's say you want a six pack, and you've been going to the gym for six years trying to get a six pack, and whatever you're doing is not giving you that result. (laughs) So you keep if you keep doing it in the same way, keep using the same machine and, you know, whatever, and you're you're like, it's still not working, you probably at some point figure out, okay, maybe it's something I'm doing, maybe I need to get asked someone else, Maybe I need to try a different strategy. But with dating, we don't do that. We just keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. So what I often say is at the core, it's either that there's something in your, what I call soul work. So that's, you know, the work that I've done as a marriage and family therapist and really learning some of these um, components that really affect your mindset, how you approach things, you know, attachment, your personality, all of that. And then the other piece is strategy. So either there's something going um, wrong or both, you know, either something going on with your soul work or something's wrong with your strategy. Um, I personally, it's somewhat controversial in my field to say this, but I personally don't ascribe to the belief that, oh, you have to be fully love yourself first, and then you're going to find your person or any kind of um, finish line. And then because when then thinking really gets you caught up in this, oh, since I'm not yet fully happy or whatever that's supposed to mean, then I shouldn't be dating. But that's completely false in my opinion. So it's more about that kind of process and building resilience until the things you can't control, like I said, um, can kind of come into your, your space.
3: I'm curious. Were you going to say something, Ellie? I'm sorry. I cut you off.
1: Oh, I just,
2: I just love that. Don't blame the toolbox. I mean, I blame the toolbox in all senses of the word.
3: (laughs) It's always the tool's
1: fault.
2: Always the tool's (laughs) fault.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I'm like intrigued by the soul work because, and I, I, as soon as you started sharing your story, I'm like, Oh my God, like all three of us can kind of relate to So many phases where we were with somebody. I was married. Allie was with somebody who she wanted to marry like for the rest of forever. And, you know, same with Amanda. And then these relationships end. And I was told so often, like, stay single and heal what you need to heal so that you don't carry whatever it was into the next relationship. And that like terrified me that I was going to like carry something into my relationship with the next person because my marriage was so toxic, right? Mm -hmm. So I was single for three years in the midst of like going through divorce and all of that kind of stuff before I signed up for tender and met Mm -hmm. the boyfriend that I have now and so what does soul work look like and is that Mm -hmm. do you believe that that if you don't heal this it's going to go into the next relationship and fuck (laughs) up the next relationship like what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that
1: yeah, great question. So what I would say as a general belief is that I think that a lot of healing happens in the context of relationships. So what that means is that, you know, um, one of my favorite quotes, it's by Ram Dass. It's like, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. So it's like this idea that, oh, okay, I'm doing good on my own, you know, <laughs> I'm going to just kind of reach that peace or enlightenment or whatever. And then I'm going to go into relationships and all this stuff's going to get triggered. And then I'm like, wait, what happened? You know, it's their fault. So, what I really empower people to do is learn how to heal and work those things out in obviously a healthy relationship. So Some of the work I think is important, you know, after you've gone through a big breakup, divorce, all that, I think it's so important, you know, getting therapy and all that. Usually when people ask me, when's the right time? I say, if you're starting to ask, is it the right time to get back out there? It's probably the right time because a lot of these things you're going to bring in naturally. We shouldn't have the superhuman belief that all that pain from a past relationship isn't going to come up in a new relationship because romantic relationships is where all of those triggers even from childhood, kind of get played out um, in adulthood. So what we really have to do is empower ourselves with those tools and then practice them <laughs> so that you're if you're in a healthy relationship, you're going to be able to have what I call corrective emotional experience with that new person um, versus if you're just like, oh, okay, I'm happy, I'm single. Sure, it's easy to be single and happy when you're not vulnerable and putting yourself out there, yourself out there, and that risk that's involved obviously in getting hurt is also, um, if you're not taking that risk, you're also potentially risking not feeling that love in a healthy way. So the soul work really um, includes learning your attachment so that I teach that in my program pretty in-depthly. I teach my clients what I call the dating blueprint. So it's like a combination of learning about yourself. So your identity, your core fears and desires, through your personality type and combining that with your attachment so that you're going about dating relationships in a really aligned way. Um, A lot of it is also self-forgiveness. A lot of people think, oh, I have to forgive my ex for blah, blah, blah. But really we lose some of that trust within ourselves when we've gone through a relationship. Like how could I let someone do that to me? How could I have not seen the red flags? And so we start kind of blaming ourselves more. So we have to do that process. And I teach all my clients that too. And just digging into some of those kind of core fears as well from family, from childhood, from past relationships, and for a future and understanding who we are and what we want. And then you're going to be able to go into the next phase. So um, so yeah, so kind of long short answer is that there is some work that obviously you can really do on your own. But when you feel that, okay, I really desire to have that connection, don't tell yourself you're not there yet, because we can always have that mentality. Oh, we're not fully healed or not perfect, we're gonna carry baggage, we're all gonna carry baggage it's just about making sure that you're aware of oh I know that that's going to be stuff for me in my future relationship and then working through that through communication um, is going to be really important to do
0: Christy I have to say that I think all of us just look like bobbleheads right now we've been agreeing (laughs) with everything that you've been saying oh my gosh it is it's really refreshing to hear such an upbeat um i don't know like introspective but also birds eye view of the whole scene of relationships and and what we can do and you know there i love what you just mentioned about risk taking and i i want to touch on this because um, you know, uh, I work with clients as well. And and my focus on, is on helping them move their bodies to live their most optimal life and, and fall in love with taking care of themselves. And as someone who definitely struggled, like Raina was saying, with like a bad breakup at some point, you think it's the future, you think it's you, you don't, you can't forgive yourself for the red flags that you miss and all this stuff. And then at some point, it's like that armor just goes up and you're like, I'm unwilling to now explore <laughs> anybody else for any other reason, I'm just gonna do me. And what's funny is that I actually met my my fiance now on, on a trip that I decided to go backpacking through Europe, you know, months and months and months after a really messy moment in my life where I was struggling with depression and thinking it really is just better being alone. It's just better. Like, you know, like I went through all of that. Um, and then I went on my like fuck all men, female empowerment trip, and all of a sudden this person walked into my life. But one thing that you share on your social, which I really can, it resonated with me a lot was the only way you won't find love is if you give up on trying, giving and staying open to receiving love. And I thought that was so powerful because I've been there and I know mm-hmm. that it is a real trek, uphill trek of willingness to have to go up that mountain and try to overcome that, that feeling to stay armored. So What would you say to somebody who's listening to this, you know, maybe they they don't have a partner, maybe they are on the apps and, and they're finding not the success potentially that they think that they should be finding, which is a person, you know, like, what would you say to someone who's on the brink of not doing this anymore and kind of giving up on the real beauty of life, which is love and giving and receiving and staying open to something like that?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your story. I think that that's so common to many people that I work with and hearing that um, what I call it is the Disneyland dating app roller coaster. So basically what happens is you kind of try an app, And you're like, okay, maybe this time it'll be different. You know, I know I've tried them before, but I'm going to download it again because you're kind of lonely. You've done the, you know, um, female empowerment, uh, road trip, backpack, whatever, (laughs) insert, uh, fill in the blank. Um, So you download the app and then you're on swiping on the apps, you know, for a few weeks and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And just, you know, it's like dud after dud, you're swiping left so much. your like, thumb is kind of veering this way and um, you're like, okay, like on Honestly, I was so much happier single. I wasn't wasting my time going on these dates. I could just hang out with my friends. So then what do you do? You delete the app. And then it kind of goes into that same cycle. So then, okay, so you delete the app. Okay, I'm super happy. I'm single, this is awesome. And then you kind of start feeling lonely again. Maybe like now it's the holidays. So, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to try it again. So, it's this like delete app, download app, delete app, download app. And then we're kind of in this roller coaster looking back for, you know, could be a few years that clients trying that for even longer than that. Um, so, what happens there? It's the an inconsistency. And it, what, to use that analogy um, of fitness again, kind of like the okay new year's resolution we're gonna work on ourselves or whatever or workout or whatever and then we fall off the wagon then we get it, fall off the wagon or we try this like fad you know diet and you work with like in health and stuff we're like hey we're gonna whatever starve ourselves and then we're gonna lose the weight and then gain it back and off and on and off and on so what's a better solution in health it's the consistency it's little things over time it's like drinking your water every day it takes five minutes so this is really what I'm teaching in in to all my clients but I think what's really important to first, if you're reflecting, if you've been on that roller coaster, if you're in that space, reflect on what can you do in little segments consistently. Um, And so what I really empower clients to do is, okay, download one app maybe. If you get overwhelmed, maybe that has a few people on it and swipe for like five minutes a day or whatever, just a little thing that you keep doing for like a week, that's not going to kind of overwhelm because most times what happens is similar to the fitness. Okay. I got to find the person let's download eight apps. Let's go on 50 dates. And what does that cause burnout? And then you could be missing your person because you're just overwhelming yourself with this process. And so what you want to do is just kind of take little bite-sized pieces and make that consistent process, whether it's online dating or some offline things and be going to something with a friend or asking a friend to set you up on a blind date or whatever it is, start small and then, you know, edit ruthlessly. So if you've been on an app, I usually, the rule for me is like two weeks and you don't see one person that you feel like you could connect with, try a different one. (laughs) Don't stay on the same app for like a decade. I've had some people do that. Oh, well, you know, Tinder is it. And like, you can't find anyone you like on Tinder. So try it. So edit, you know, there's so many options out there, but Try to stay consistent and then try to, you know, keep on, on tabs with, you don't want to open something and dread it. If you're going to dread, Um, Something you're not going to stay consistent with it, just from a habit perspective. So try to stay consistent. Get a lot of support. um, You know, obviously, like through therapy, coaching, group chat, whatever you need to do to stay consistent. Because, like I like it said, you said in that post, you know, not giving up is going to be the key to finding that person. At the end of the day, you only need one person. So it can feel really overwhelming, but at the end of the day, it's going to be ideally one person if you're you know in a monogamous relationship. But you're going to find that person, and so that can consistency is going to let you protect you from the overwhelm and discouragement that's going to get you out of the game and make you want to give up.
3: So can you walk us through then I'm in this app and I'm super consistent and I've set up some dates. How do I not fall in love with all of them?
1: Yeah, Yeah, great question. So I basically um, help my clients through my methodology, which consists of first, you got to figure out what I call it your silver bullet side, like what's your main thing that you're looking for. Um, So if it's like, you know, they have a stable career or, you know, whatever chemistry is a given, so if you don't feel attracted to them, it's a left swipe, don't force yourself into any of that. Uh, but you know, that you're attracted to them, and you know, they have a stable job, or they have a certain faith background, or you know, whatever your main thing is, um, or if you have kids, that they also have kids, or something like that. Um, and then you're going to go in with that kind of laser focus, we call it like soulmate sunglasses. So, anyone that doesn't fit that gets a left swipe. I don't care if they're Brad Pitt, (laughs) if they, you know, whatever, don't have that thing, they're getting a left swipe. So that way you're not overanalyzing everyone's profile and trying to figure out who they are based on this like two-dimensional thing. There's no way to know that. All we want to get to know is, okay, could they potentially be someone because they meet like a main criteria and then you're moving them to the next phase, which is the messaging. So I teach my method is five messages to meet. I don't think you should be texting for a very long time. If you've seen, there's a new Netflix movie. Um, that's kind of like a Hallmarky movie, but it's called love heart. And she's basically falls in love with someone through <laughs> text messages happens all the time. And I'm like, that is not a good idea because you have no idea who they are. So five messages to meet, you just kind of want to make sure they're asking you questions. They're conversational, they're thoughtful, you know. They're not just like saying one-word answers. Um, that there's some sort of chemistry and flow. Maybe you want to ask a clarifying question about your silver bullet swipe or your main thing, and then you want to, you could do a quick FaceTime, or if you feel confident enough at that point, like meet up in person, short date. FaceTime like 15 minutes just to make sure their person to follow up to um, meet have the first date and the first date really shouldn't be that long like if it's going super well tops is 90 minutes like no longer than that Um, because dating is all about momentum and consistency of character over time so even if they seem like they're you know God's gift to mankind on the first date for five hours you have no idea if they're going to call you the next day so you got to again really take care of yourself and protect from that discouragement but you shouldn't be talking the in the messaging there shouldn't be like 85 messages to get back to just got to keep it mo- someone has to be in either the matching the messaging or the meeting portion at every given point but you got to keep them moving through the funnel basically is what i say
2: <laughs> christy where were you
3: <laughs> Eight, ten years
2: ago when I was on a dating app, a total nightmare of a dating disaster woman rolling <laughs> through parts of Canada and then taking it globally because I know, <laughs> so, man, Chrissy, I could have used you, but I did meet my husband on a dating app and we are still together. So awesome. if you are listening, I am going to just shed some light that Raina and myself did meet our partners on a dating app.
3: Cool. me too. Oh,
2: I, oh, yes. Okay. But I want to switch gears into the marriage and long-term partner listeners who, um, you know, the three of us are all, um, I'm married, uh, Raina has a boyfriend and Amanda is newly engaged. So what I would love to do is I have actually two little questions and one does have, it has to do with sex. Are you okay going there? Oh yeah, sure. Yes, baby, let's <laughs> do it. Okay. <laughs> Two things, number one, can you give me your toolbox I'm so in love with this word now. I want a box on communication for partnerships. Mm-hmm. Number two, what is your thought on scheduling sex? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, these are great questions. I get asked all the time. So what I'll say, and this might sound cliche, but really, and especially my work with couples and couples therapy, what's very important is that, you know, the foreplay doesn't happen in the bedroom sort of mentality of the emotional connection being really important and a very um, key Indicator actually from research and how good your sex life is. So you really have to pay a lot and do a lot of that work upfront and really pay attention. So I would say before we even get to the scheduling sex conversation, we have to schedule quality emotional time, schedule and dates. You know, I know with kids and you know schedule it can be very crazy. So people get very like, oh, I've just scheduled. You know that that feels so inorganic. The very first thing to do is schedule actual time together quality time that you're really pouring into each other on the different levels of intimacy. So, um, you know, there's different levels of intimacy, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual. So as much as you fill your cup in the other areas, they all bleed into each other. So it's going to uh, positively affect if you're intimate in one area, it's going to bleed into um, you know, your physical intimacy. So first thing, start, you know, scheduling quality time together, figuring out each other's, you know, love languages is that's a pretty common thing and speaking in them, um, you know, that is really important because that's going to help with the connection, you um, you know, in the bedroom. And then I would say as far as scheduling sex goes, I think what's really important is as you're communicating and having conversations, if you find that there are natural times that you both have, you know, available or free or whatever, the big thing that I see here with couples is that there's some like fear of rejection or that they've grown like so avoidant that neither person really wants to kind of bridge that if it's, if it's been a problem, but if there's both, there's that desire for connection, then you're going to find a time to work. So I'm not as focused on like, okay, yeah, you have to schedule sex or whatever, but I think what's important is that you make sure that you stay connected. And if there are moments of disconnection that you learn how to communicate about them. And if that you feel like you can't, or it's too far gone, you can't really communicate about them. That's where I think kind of getting a, couples therapist. I mean, I'm a huge fan of couples therapy, even before you have any problems in a relationship. So that's where you learn all how to communicate all these things. And then at that point, um, you'll be able to kind of address, you know, I've, I've been feeling like we haven't, you know, connected in a while, or I feel like really like deprived, or I feel like we're not communicating or, you know, meeting my needs in the bedroom or whatever that looks like. That's where we have to really work on the communication and the connection in everywhere else. And then it's gonna bleed into that area as well. And if it does it more naturally, like you have to have some conversations about what's working for you and what's not, the communication is gonna be a lot easier because you're already feeling connected emotionally. It's gonna feel safer um, to have those conversations.
2: Um, I, I just took like half a page of notes. <laughs> because, um, I've shared on the podcast many a times. My husband and I are in immense therapy post having two kids oh, about yeah. 15, 16 months apart. And, um, it took, it has taken a huge toll on mm-hmm. our relationship, but what I absolutely loved, and it, it rang a bell in my head because we sometimes emotionally are not connecting because we're really fucking busy. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I do not have time to hear about his problems because I'm a very mm-hmm. busy mom and mm-hmm. trying to do all the things right but he's not hearing mine either therefore neither of us are holding space so I mm-hmm. love 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 that now the next part is how do we deepen those connections mm-hmm. so like what are some fun ways and easy ways that all of us like and if you could just speak to the three of us that would be really really appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> how do we deepen help. those connections help Christy
1: yeah, great question. So um uh, there I have a book recommendation. I'll write this down. It's called Eight Dates by John Gottman, John and Julie Gottman. So they're a, a psychologist, they're kind of the mother of communication and relationships kind of couple. They did research in their lab in Washington and they could predict within 90 seconds if a couple, but tonight, I think it's 90% accuracy within a few minutes if a couple was going to get divorced or not. So they could tell from their communication from the couple's communication, if they were going to make it. So pretty fascinating stuff. Listen listen to their some of their research. It's amazing. But in this book, Eight Dates, basically they've kind of designed questions that you can ask to deepen those connections to each other. So going on these eight dates and kind of asking these things, and they include things like you might not even know about your partner. When me and my husband did, it, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I knew everything about him. I'm a therapist and dating coach trying to find a husband. I've asked all every single question I thought in my mind I could ask um but the way it's designed is to really kind of help you get closer to someone without some of those walls the defensive walls because usually when we're trying to have that emotional connection we're like you know you don't hear me you don't see me the walls are already up we're already in what therapists call the red zone we're fighting whatever this is where all the you know quote unquote honesty or uh, you know attacks are coming out we're not really learning things about them early on in the date so you can set this up with your partner in just like a hey let's do this experiment maybe you guys can talk about on the podcast at some point like let's go on these eight dates and see what we learn about each other so I think it's really been powerful for a lot of couples I worked with that have been married for many years um, to kind of reintroduce themselves to each other we kind of get stuck in these like patterns and cycles we think we know we mind read uh, we do all these things with our partners but these questions you know some are about like childhood some are about just like interests Um, like unfulfilled desires, just things about them that um, through communicating can be really, really important. Second, I would say is really learning um, scheduling wise what is a priority, and what's not? so this is really hard, and I won't say I don't have kids, so i don't I don't know. I know a lot of people that have kids, and it's very challenging to kind of do this, but ultimately, I think marriage, if you're married or your partner is pretty high on your priority list, so figuring out what are some strategies, I always say like there's something we can delegate or delete from our life so that we can have more us time and then that's going to make a lot of things easier think of how and you know I'm a I don't know if you guys know the ending very much but both my husband and I are Enneagram threes, we're achievers. So we're really into like productivity, efficiency, you know, success, achieving. So we, when we get into a fight afterwards, like I'll always joke, I'm like, this is so unproductive. Like we we didn't learn anything. We wasted all this time. And then you probably still have your to-do list and didn't get done. So what could be more productive? Having that time, those moments beforehand. And some of that might be things like, you know, waking up (laughs) earlier or, you know, letting, you know, your kid not do like one activity. Or whatever it is, um, to really kind of maintain that sense of balance so that if one thing kind of comes in, it's not tipping the whole ship. <laughs> so I really empower clients to kind of slow down and look at that, take an a, you know, a day audit, an inventory of everyone's day de- of your day and their day, figure out like where some of that um time is. Maybe you need to hire, you know, a babysitter, maybe you need to get not um, you know, do this one activity so you can have time together, but that's really what's going to be the like surefire way that you're going to build the connection. You need time together, you need communication in a safe way. And so going on these dates, asking these questions, and then figuring out where you can find that t- time is going to be really key.
0: I am just eating up every one of your answers. I feel like they've all been so enlightening. Thank you for that book recommendation, Eight Dates. I definitely wrote that down. And um, you know, to anyone listening, definitely worth checking out. But we have had questions from our listeners in the past on RAD um, where people sort of wanted to hear our take about, um, uh, and we're talking like the, the married couples or people who are in long-term relationships at this point, um, like Ali mentioned, but um, we've had questions to the effect of like, COVID has been a tough year. Our house has been used for every reason for being intimate, for cooking, for homeschooling, for trying not to have a mental breakdown for, I mean, for all the things and it becomes difficult in, in this season that almost feels like it's still dragging on like all these things, right? So it's important not to ignore that there are real struggles going on that have impacted relationships in a way that we never have been or that have been really different and in, in sort of Already pre-existing challenges, so you know, and and I just mentioned it could be for long-term relationships, but this could also be a question for people who ha- would like to date. What would you say has been one of the biggest struggles for your uh, clients? Um, during this time? I mean, and and maybe what's one recommendation you have to navigate love and staying open and positive when things have felt a little heavier, a little more challenging. And, and I think that it's important that we bring this up because it hasn't been like a normal year, basically.
1: Yeah, really great point. So um, I would say similar to like what I previously said, I think that time has been like such a big issue and just space, you know, physical space, Emotional, energetic space. I know like so many moms I work with, like they literally cannot get a minute on their own, maybe in the bathroom, if that, like it's just really hard to have that space. And really what really in relationships, what we're trying to do is balance our need for independence and our need for connection. We have to stay fully who we are as a person and we have to be, we wanna be connected to our people. But when those things, when it's like too much connection our independence is like, get me out of here. Like this is where a lot of that kind of like conflict happens. And then when obviously you have like too much independence you're like longing for connection which a lot of you know singles went through during the pandemic. So what I would say is now that some of the world is kind of reopening or getting back to normal that if you can even say that, um, you really have to kind of reassess who you are and what you want, and both in your partnership, your family and individually. So one of the things that um, I've noticed, like even in myself and kind of renegotiating some of these like roles and like way life was before, uh, my husband and I just got married before the pandemic, like three months before. So we didn't really get to establish a lot of like normal life rules like how do we want to have people over or like when or you know because there just wasn't the opportunity to do that but even if you did have the opportunity it's important to renegotiate that because a lot of you might have changed like m- me personally I'm a really like extroverted before the pandemic I was like going out all the time and even like in a relationship was was very like like drive around you know I'm in LA and so that was something I really loved and I've noticed in myself that I don't have the capacity to do what I used to do I don't know with everything that's change but if I do too many things I'm like burnt out so I have to really make peace with that and accept that oh like I don't have to go at the same pace or do the same things I thought I enjoyed to do like we're going to be changing and it's something like the pandemic such a kind of like mass traumatizing situation in many different ways um and you know even like in 2020 um Obviously, you know, in our in our country with there's so much like turmoil racial turmoil, um, you know, the whole, you know, George Floyd and what so many marginalized communities went through, there's been a lot of trauma in multiple ways that hasn't been really appreciated and and accepted that we're changing on pretty fundamental levels as people. So we have to just kind of take it slow and take it slow enough to notice how we've changed and what works for us and what doesn't as individuals, as a couple, and as a family. And I think um, primarily when things started kind of reopening, we're like, oh, you know, we can do all these things. So (laughs) then we're going to kind of overdo what we didn't do, but that could also lead to burnout. So I know this is true of many parents that I work with. It's like, Okay, our kids were inside. So like, let's sign up for all the things or like, let them, you know, do all I don't want to miss out. We have this like FOMO for, you know, ourselves, our families that we don't want it to hurt them or anybody, but the reality is it, you know, it did and we have to just kind of accept that and meet everybody where they're at so that we can flourish in this new way of being too.
0: So powerful. I, I I mean, all of us again, I feel like we've just been eating up every single nugget that you've shared here. Christy, where can we find you? Where can our listeners take the time to dive into your work? I, one last thing I will mention that I freaking love about what you're offering right now is um your holiday 101, like how to not confuse. That person being the one with like missing someone. Oh yeah. my God. I mean, shit. have we not all been there? Um, a hundred percent. So like, where can we find you? Do you have a website? Are you on social media? And if so, where, let us know what your handle is because our listeners are going to want more Dr. Christie in their lives. And so are we, and we're going to need to be able to follow along
1: thank you thank you so much it's been so fun having being with you all this morning so you can find me at therapyfordating.com and then yeah i have my free training if you go to the website you can sign up for it i also have different free guides like which dating app is right for you um, at various times on the website and also on my instagram that's kind of where i hang out the most the date dr christy so you can find me on there feel free to dm me if you found me on this podcast and um yeah i would love to connect with you
0: uh, well, I, I, I don't think that we can thank you enough for your time. I mean, this is um, hands down one of my favorite interviews that we've ever had. I feel like this resonated so deeply with all of us. And, um, you know, we would love to have you back and chat more things, love and mindset and self-reflection and relationships and all of that. That just feels um, exactly where we can all resonate and where we can all grow. And after, you know, the year we've had, I think that that sort of growth is a really powerful one because love really is the basis of of what can make this life so truly beautiful and we can't thank you enough for tuning in on rad everybody so be sure to share send this to somebody if you thought of them they probably need to hear this so send this episode to somebody in your life that you love or listen at like all week long and then twice on sundays we know that you guys love catching our replays um, and we want to hear what your favorite part was so don't forget to like share subscribe and we will see you on our next episode of rad